So Psalm 119 verses 169 to 176. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Uh, give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. So our quest or our journey in this epic psalm comes to an end tonight yeah. and uh, it's a fitting end conclusion to the psalm because it's full of just prayer and praise to God uh, according to his word and really the main point is that those who remember God's word uh, kind of I guess bubble over with praise and prayer to God uh, that we people who marinate in God's word will kind of pulsate with prayer and praise to God and and uh, and really if we take away anything from Psalm 119, I really hope you guys take away just the importance of meditating on God's Word is to prayer uh, and, and just letting your prayers be driven by and uh, informed by Scripture, but also just to pray the Scriptures uh, itself. Because uh, I think when we're doing that, it's God's Word makes us more attentive uh, in our prayer and also it makes our prayer more substantive instead of just kind of uh, repeating these kind of vague you know, hackneyed phrases that we've accumulated throughout over years of um, being a Christian and hearing other people pray. Uh, we get to pray in accordance with God's will and His Word. Um, so the verses 169 and 170 begin with prayer to God. It says, Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. So the couple phrases that are just repeating in that those two verses and first one is come before you uh, so that's an example of kind of poetic personification the psalmist is speaking of his prayer like it's an actual person that's going and appearing before the presence of God in his throne room right so it's cry, cry coming before God uh, his plea coming before God and you probably um uh, experience this uh, where if, if you're on a you're, you're on a phone call with somebody and then uh, you keep talking and then you you realize you don't hear anything back you don't hear any response and then you say hello hello uh, <laughs> to make sure somebody's still on the other side of the line that just happened or something or yeah <laughs> and then uh, because you lost connection and then obviously when you realize that there's no one on the line you hang up right and you you don't keep talking um, and I think sometimes Christians think about prayer the same way. Uh, they, they don't have faith that God actually hears. They don't have faith that God actually answers. Uh, and when you lose that faith, you stop praying. Because what's the point? Like, who keeps talking on the phone when you know that there's no one else on the end of the line? Uh, but So this is a really helpful way. It's, in contrast to that, to think about prayer, is that when we pray, it's like prayer, like, a, like an ambassador or a person, an emissary that goes before the king, actually appears before the face of God. That when we pray, we approach the very throne room of God. Uh, and that God hears and that God answers. 
Um, it reminds me of uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted, tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because Christ is there in the throne of God as our intercessor. Uh, when we pray in His name, we are in His, uh, in his presence. We are, have His audience. Um, it's like, I don't know, if we, can you imagine going to the White House? Uh, all the steps that you would take and to prepare yourself, the way you dress, the, what you do. But we're going to the very throne room of God uh, when we pray. Uh, and uh, it's holy ground wherever we're kneeling to pray. Uh, and, uh, and these prayers that he prays are not just a list of the psalmist's own personal desires. Uh, twice, again, he, so there's another phrase that he repeats in those two verses, and that's according to your word, right? Give me understanding according to your word deliver me according to your word right so he's not uh he wants his thinking and understanding to be conformed to god's word right he doesn't want uh god's will to be conformed to his thinking and understanding uh and when the psalmist says he asks god to pray um uh, when he asks god to deliver him according to his word uh, he's not asking that God would deliver him and make his situation better according to his own liking, but that according to his work, he would deliver him. And so uh, this is, again, it's, it's something that's been coming up again and again through Psalm 119, the importance of seeking God uh, on the basis of his word according to his will. That's what the First John 5, 14, 15 talks about. Right? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know what, that we have the request that, have, that we have asked of him. So it's a really simple but powerful idea to, uh, that, that when we pray in accordance with his word, that God answers our prayers. Um, I brought a little, uh, a short article. If you guys I only have a few copies of it because um, I had to rush out to get a, in it from the bus stop, so I couldn't wait for it to finish printing. <laughs> and uh, but uh, it's it's two twelve reasons you should pray scripture. Uh, so I encourage you guys if you want to take it with you and read it um, uh, to do so. Uh, and then after uh, those two prayers in verses uh, one sixty nine and one seventy, uh, he follows it up with two praises uh, that he anticipates uh, he will do when God answers his prayers. Um, uh, so it says, My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Uh, so God's word, kind of meditating on God's word, not only produces prayer, but also produces praise. And he's very effusive in his, in his description, right? He says, My lips will uh, pour forth praise, literally flow with praise or bubble over with praise. Very descriptive, right? Um, and then similarly, he doesn't say, My tongue will speak of your word. He says, My tongue will sing of your word. Uh, and that when God teaches him his statutes, the psalmist will praise God and sing of his word, uh, for all of his commandments are right. It is right in the sense that it is correct, but also right in the sense that it is righteous, not evil or wrong. Uh, and then in verses 173, 176, Psalmist resumes his prayer 
Uh, and here he asks God to deliver him uh, from whatever predicament it is that he's facing uh, because he keeps God's word, since he keeps God's word. It says, uh, let your hand be ready to help me for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. It's because God promises to deliver those who belong to him and trust in, trust in his word. He's praying to him, Lord, I do trust in your word. I do keep your word, so please deliver me. Uh, and, uh, and of course, this uh, is fulfilled uh, ultimately in Christ in Exodus, not Exodus, uh, Ezekiel. Uh, chapter 34 God promises uh, of a day when and he will himself come as the shepherd of God's people to gather those who have been scattered Uh, and then that's fulfilled of course when Jesus comes and says in John 10 I am the good shepherd Uh, and we see his him he see him describe himself and his ministry comparing it in Luke 15 to a shepherd that goes after to seek after the one lost sheep right Uh, and so and so that's kind of what uh uh, we we see anticipated here in the psalm. The psalmist is, sees himself uh, as a sheep that has gone astray, not in the sense of just morally going astray from keeping his word, uh, but someone that is lost uh, in a predicament, some needing deliverance, uh, and in and in a and we are all in that sta- state because we have all strayed from God. Uh, we have all been in in a great danger and predicament because of. Uh, our slavery to death, our condemnation under the law. Uh, and it's Christ who comes to seek us uh, who are lost uh, to save us. And he does that by giving his life up to die on the cross for us, uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, take our place uh, on the cross and to raise us from our hopeless state, uh, raise us from the dead. And, uh, and so this psalm, uh, the entire psalm, not just this stanza, is fulfilled uh, in Christ, our Good Shepherd, our Savior. Uh, and it's by hoping in the word of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we have confidence, like this psalmist has, that God will ultimately come to our deliverance, they all, for, that we will ultimately be saved and redeemed in the end, uh, and, and that all our cries and pleas, prayers will be answered by Him uh, when we pray in accordance with the word of Christ. That let's sing a song and, and pray. <laughs>